0: Welcome to Studio Wednesday's Recap Diaries. My name is Katie, and this is my recap diary of the White Lotus. Today I'm recapping Season 2, Episode 6, Abductions. And actually, more than just Episode 6, today I'm recapping everything we know this far as we go into the last episode. So buckle up, it's going to be a wild ride we start day six again with Lucia and Albie, so that is a great place to begin. Here's what we know about Albie, and his dad, and his grandpa. The three of them came from the U.S., specifically L.A., to seek out some information on their heritage, see the town their distant family is from, and soak in the culture, you know? Grandpa Bert has been the resident breath of fresh air, Of course, by fresh air, I mean sometimes saying outlandish things that are a sign of his age and his history of being a womanizer and cheating on his wife. But other than that, he is a fairly keen observer. We know that he has hit his head a few times during this week and is very set on seeing where his family is from. Almost like it's his last chance to really see it. And although he is very present on this trip, We know that his son, Dom, doesn't really see his relationship with his father as healthy. In fact, the contrary. I guess it's never too late in life to blame your parents for your issues, as we've seen Dom do with his dad almost every episode. See, Dom's going through a rough patch because his wife found out about him cheating on her again, which explains why this has become a boy's trip. From one daddy issue to the next, we finally get to Albie. Hell-bent on trying not to be like his father or grandpa, Alby proudly identifies as a feminist, and to prove it, he decides that any disheveled woman he runs into, he is going to save. Okay, that part I am just inferring, but I would say so far, it seems pretty clear to me. What do we also know? In concrete terms is that Albie and his dad have one thing in particular in common. They have now slept with and hired the same sex worker, Lucia. And Albi seems to really be falling for her. Today, they ventured out on the town where Bert's mother is from with the hopes of meeting distant relatives. Lucia was going with them to translate but was abducted by, as Lucia says, a man who was looking for her to pay her money based on the work she's had the last few days. We don't really know exactly her relationship with this guy, Alessio, but it doesn't look great. One thing is for sure. Lucia is actually owed money by the other person or two who are staying at the resort who have hired her for her services. But more about Lucia later. Let's debrief about Lucia's other customers, Ethan and Cameron. Well, they were roommates in college and now have decided to reconnect and come on a lavish vacation with their wives for the week. Harper, aka Aubrey Plaza, is married to Ethan, aka Rich Tech Startup Nerd. Harper is a lawyer who specializes in employment law, specifically when the employee sues the employer, like for sexual assault cases. What else do we know about Harper? She doesn't like Prosecco, and from the moment they arrived on the trip, she did not want to be there, feeling like it was impossible to make a connection with Cameron and Daphne because, my inference here, she doesn't want to become like them. Though, as the week goes on, she slowly starts to open up and learn more about the others. In one way or another, each of them have a vulnerable moment with her, like Cameron showing his dick on day one while changing, or seemingly in a moment of weakness, Daphne letting Harper know the secrets of married life to Cam, and how hard it is or through gaslight and misstep like Ethan hiding truths from her and pouring all the energy into protecting Cameron instead of loving and fucking his wife. Ethan, we know, has recently made it big after selling his startup. We know that he has not had sex with his wife, Harper, in a while, but rather prefers to watch porn after going for morning runs. We know that Ethan is particularly focused on proving something to Cameron this week, and we know that he holds honesty as the highest form of morality and we also know that he did not sleep with lucia or mia the two italian sex workers on the wild night out that he and cameron had we are also watching ethan slip slowly into paranoia after harper denies him the satisfaction of believing him about the other night and patting him on the back for being honest he is now starting to see cameron as a threat specifically with harper And we do know that he has been gaslighting her from the minute the holiday started. But is this all in his head? Is Harper seeking revenge? Is there some untold tension between him and Cameron that needs releasing, perhaps? Cameron, on the other hand, did have sex with the Italian woman. But let's back up. Cameron is trying to make it known that they have a lot of money in the bank. But we don't actually know if this is true. Of course, he has not paid Lucia and Mia yet. He also works in finance and, it sounds like, dabbles in the occasional insider trading. He also is very open with Ethan that cheating is something everyone does, if they can get away with it. And he has a temper, something we saw very early on when his bags got lost on the way to Sicily. And, according to Ethan, we know Cameron has something called mimetic desire. In short, what I have, you want. Because you want to be like me. But perhaps in a hungover, tee-hee-hee way, Cameron was more like, no, I don't want to be like you. I want to be inside of you, bro. Though it has been Cameron's mission to get a bit closer and closer to Harper, first changing in front of her, then making sure to corner her in the ocean and explain how much he wants her to like him. Then touching her leg at dinner, and as we saw from Ethan's point of view last episode, flirting heavily with her as they get a drink and simultaneously head upstairs to the resort to both get something they forgot to bring to the beach. But is Cameron doing all of this to gain something over Ethan? Is he just sloppy about his desires and, as Daphne puts it, being a naughty boy? Or is there something truly malicious that he's been plotting? Since the beginning. And the last of the foursome, Daphne, Cameron's wife. What do we know about Daphne? Honestly, at this point, I'm not sure about anything. One thing is for sure, she is proud to talk about being a mama and has two little ones at home. We also know that she knows that Cameron cheats and has her own game that she plays with him to handle it. But what is unclear is does she cheat as well? Is one of her children actually the biological child of her quote-unquote trainer in the city? Is she just happy-go-lucky? You know, just excited to be here and alive? Is she blotting something? Is she always one step ahead of Cameron? Or maybe all of us? I honestly cannot tell you, but apparently she got a massage last episode while Ethan was watching Harper and Cameron flirt and go upstairs, and apparently now her back really hurts from that massage. We didn't see any of this. I don't even know why I'm bringing this up. For some reason, that feels fishy. And while the four of them have been to the beach twice now, she is the only one who has not gotten into the ocean yet. Then we have Tanya, aka Jennifer Coolidge, and her assistant, Portia. And for a few days, Tanya's husband, Greg. Now, we know Tanya and Greg from last season, where they met at the White Lotus in Hawaii. Tanya unleashing her crazy on Greg, who, how kind of him, Looked past it all and still wanted her. Though, here in Sicily, that passion has totally dissipated. Here's what we know about Greg. He works for the Bureau of Land Management. He has kept his job because Tanya made him sign a prenup. He used to be sick or sicker. With Tanya's help finding the right doctors and such, he now has a much better prognosis. We also know that Greg is pissed off that Tanya brought Portia on this vacation. And while apparently they love each other, He really does not like Tanya and he keeps having secret conversations with someone on the phone. The last conversation we heard where he said, yeah, she's clueless. I love you too. I'll give you a call when I get in. The next day, he told Tanya he had to leave for work for a few days, but he would be right back. And since day three, we have not seen or heard from him. Tanya is a rich woman who comes for money and her head is not always focused on reality. Though we do know from bits and pieces that she said and Portia has said that Tanya has had a bit of a difficult life. She's been taken advantage of in a few different ways and struggles to maintain relationships. And one thing is for sure, she is always somehow looking for relief or answers about her life. When Greg left, she immediately hired a psychic who read her tarot cards, and we know thanks to English subtitles, that the psychic saw a tragedy in her cards, telling her she's in danger, that her misery will lead her to suicide. Though Tanya doesn't know this because she was speaking Italian. She just knew that the reader saw deceit in the cards. Around the same time that Tanya is wallowing in self-pity from a not-so-positive tarot reading and her husband abandoning her, she makes a few new friends a group of older gay men who live in Sicily and are visiting the resort because a friend is staying there. The main person we get to know is a man named Quentin, and he takes Tanya under his wing immediately, becoming fast friends. And luckily, he has a nephew around Portia's age to keep her company. More about them later. What we know about Quentin is that he has inherited a palazzo in Palermo from his father and now lives there full-time, and he lives a lavish lifestyle. He also decides that his highest standard of living is living for beauty and beautiful things. But he also calmly asks Tanya he would die for beauty, wouldn't she? And one more thing we know, he has been in love once with a straight man from the US, someone he would do anything for, even to this day. While he plays with Tanya, Jack, his nephew, plays with Portia. Who is Portia? A young, beautiful woman who is Tanya's personal assistant. Portia is incredibly frustrating. She complains about absolutely everything and, as Tanya has put it so eloquently, is floating in the wind waiting for her life to give her direction instead of just making a fucking choice. We see this progress through the week as she starts this flirtation with Albie. Albie quickly tries to save her from whatever misery she is in, but instead, she gets distracted by the hot guy from Essex, Jack. Wanting to have an adventure, but doing absolutely nothing about it, Jack is there to help make her dreams come true. Even when she and Tanya go to Palermo for two nights to hang out with their new friends, he still comes through. And while exciting at first, the second night, there's a big party thrown at the palazzo, and she realizes that she's been taken... Or abducted, if you will, by Jack, who is hell-bent on getting drunk, too drunk, to drive home, and uh, because of this, they have to get a hotel room. And Jack decides that he's had just enough beer to come clean about a few things to Portia. You see, Quentin is not his uncle. And we know, and Tanya knows, that he fucks Quentin. Portia doesn't quite know this. But what she does know is that Quentin helped Jack get out of a bad situation. And Jack is indebted to him and feels this severe fondness for him as he says Quentin is good and he is really good to his friends and while Quentin's fortune is gone and he's struggling for money he is currently doing what he can to get out of that hole of debt and when he does come into money he's going to pay it forward to his friends but who are these friends that we keep hearing about While Tanya is at the Palazzo partying with her new friends and their friends, she gets wrapped up in doing coke with a handsome Italian man who is working hard to seduce her and get her in a vulnerable position. And in a moment true to Tanya, she goes looking around the room she's in, only to find a picture of a young Quentin and a young Greg. And maybe because of the drugs, maybe because the Italian man is there naked and she's starved for attention, the scene ends as we see what kind of looks like a camera in the room, and the man kneeling in front of Tanya, inviting her to play with him and succumb to pleasure. And now, the three Italian women. Valentina, the resort manager, we know little about her other than she's working her hardest to stay afloat and manage this wild resort. She has a stark dislike for most men, And she seems a bit sad and lonely. And she's a little curious about having sex with women. Maybe due to the conservative circumstances in Sicily, maybe she just discovered her sexuality later in life. But we find out in the last episode that she's never actually been with a woman. We find this out after she realizes that her work crush, Isabella, reveals that she's engaged to another employee, Rocco and while Valentina allows herself a few moments of pity at the hotel bar as she watches Mia play the piano. Mia, who finds all of this out during Valentina's moment of pity and vulnerability, decides she will do something nice for Valentina. Of course, Valentina did let her play piano and sing at the resort for two nights, while the other pianist is in the hospital for a non-Viagra drug related incident with Mia, but that's neither here nor there. Mia says, in a way, come on baby girl, let's pop that cherry. And they go have sex in one of the empty suites in the resort. And Valentina finally letting go, enjoying a real moment of pleasure, and letting someone in. This Mia is one that we can't even recognize from the first few episodes. In the beginning, Lucia was the one who drugged Mia along for the adventure, as Lucia was booked by someone at the resort to spend the week there. In the beginning, Mia saying she couldn't possibly dip her toes into the world of sex work because she's still getting over her ex, Massimo, who has a new girl. But Lucia reminds her not to think about him. Come on! Let's have some fun, make some money. And it's not until a night with Dom that Mia gets a taste for what this world could bring her. And her only goal is to play music. So while Lucia is concentrating on making enough money, Mia's number one goal is just to perform. As Mia leans more towards sex work and finding her way within this world, Lucia seems to be drifting further, concerned that she and Mia will get punished in the end. Unlike Mia, Lucia is not new to this world. And with an official invite from Dom, she and Mia become registered guests at the hotel. And although after one night with just Lucia and the next with both, Dom realizes what a mess he's made and cuts it off. Of course, staying to their agreement, they can still hang out at the resort and eat some food. But what does access to an expensive resort mean? Access to other rich men. Again, as I mentioned before, they have a night out with Cameron and Ethan who still have not paid the full amount. And now Lucia has spotted a new, innocent, decent man who also has money, Albie. There's just one problem. While she is okay with Albi only paying for one night, even though she's hanging out with him a bit extra than that, she still needs to be paid by the other two guys, and brings up that she owes someone named Alessio money, someone we actually did see Lucia say bye to, and she would call later as she and Mia went down to the resort on the first day. As they're out in the bout, they run into Alessio once and from the looks of it, they're in a fight about her not messaging back. The second time they run into Alessio is when she's out translating for the De Grasso men and Alessio follows them. Eventually, Lucia gets in the car with him and his friend and that's that. She comes back later to Albie looking drained and sad, saying in Italian she wished all men were like Albie, resting her head on his shoulder. I'll leave you with the scene As season two starts, Daphne alone chatting to two women who are on their first day of vacation at the White Lotus on the beach. She exclaims how wonderful the resort is, how wonderful the people working there are. You're going to have such an amazing time, they will have to drag you out of here. Then she says she's going into the water for one last time. Looking cautiously to her right as she walks slowly into the water and discovers a dead body. With police swarming, Valentina exclaiming that they can't possibly be responsible for what happens in the sea if someone has drowned, until Rocco lets her know that more than one guest has been killed. Woo! That has been Studio Wednesday's Recap Diaries. Thank you for listening to today's diary. Okay, one more episode. I don't know. I just went back and rewatched the whole series. Honestly, my mind is everywhere. I guess we're going to have to see. And when the final episode comes out, you know I'll also have a recap for that. But what comes after White Lotus? If you're curious, you can follow, subscribe, even let me know if you have some ideas of what you want to see recapped. If you want to learn more about Studio Wednesday, check out studio-wednesday.com. And you know the drill, follow on social media for those boring updates that I never do. At Recap Diaries. Well, that's all for now. Chat soon. XOXO, Katie.